It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. You are Locked On Thunder, your daily Oklahoma City Thunder podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Let's get it going on the Locked On Thunder podcast on the Locked On Podcast Network, your teams every day. I am your host. Ryland Styles. You can follow me on Twitter at Ryland underscore Styles. That's at R Y L A N underscore S T I L E S. Follow the show on Twitter, L O Thunderpod. Email the show, L O Thunderpod at gmail.com. Call into the show, 405 362 7128. Leave a voicemail at 405 362 7128. On today's show, brought to you by Built Bar. Go to Bilbo.com. Use promo code LOCKED ON. Save 20% off your next order of Built Bars. Let's talk about the NBA and NBA PA agreeing to yet another extension. We'll talk about if the shortened season that's being proposed is good or bad for your Oklahoma City Thunder. And we'll start the big board of players. I want to see the Thunder draft in the upcoming NBA draft on November 18th and also catch you up on news and notes around the association. But we start with the biggest news of the weekend, which was no news. And I was totally wrong. I I thought that on Friday, that was going to be the deadline. It was supposed to be the deadline. I thought that we would know the next step for the league on Friday. In fact, I, I predicted the Thunder would have a coach. There'd be a trade happening because I thought that things would fall into place. But they didn't. The NBA and the NBA Player Association has agreed to yet another extension. This is the fourth time that this extension has been awarded to each side. The new drop-dead date, and and I struggle to call it that anymore because it can't be a drop-dead date if it's going to keep getting extended, but it is November 6th. It is this Friday where things have to get done. And I will say, if you're bummed like I am that there was no news this weekend, I don't think we'll see a repeat of that this weekend. I, I don't think there's any sort of extension left. There's no sort of repeat of this. To me, this is either we have the concrete details or it is a full-blown lockout craziness, rip up the CBA, be done with it, and figure everything out from there. I think that this is truly the day on Friday to get things done and get answers. The players are still unhappy, and this is why we got the extension. The players are still unhappy about the December start and want to push for a January start date. The owners would fear in that case you would lose $500 million or even a billion dollars, anywhere in between that range, if you did push and extend into that January start date. Um, the, the difference in here uh, for the money is not necessarily just the couple of weeks you'd play in December. It's the fact that if you do extend this season start date out to January, your end date now also has to expand, and therefore your end date with the postseason and the finals in mind are being played on months that will not please your TV partners. We saw this year, 
the NBA can't play their finals head-to-head with the baseball postseason, with football. I mean, there's too much going on at that point. Sports then begin to cannibalize themselves when you have that many options. Not to mention college football. There's just too many options. So the TV partners in the league want to get back to the finals being the only show in town. And you throw the Stanley Cup in there as well, but still, you're going to dominate the Stanley Cup. You're going to dominate a random June baseball game. So that's where they want to get back to. And to do that, you have to start in December. And so if the the owners do start in January, they're now countering with this with this ultimatum of okay, if we concede and give you that January start date, we're going to we're going to only offer you a 50 game season. And that takes players' paychecks down a ton because the paychecks will still be based on a 62-game model where you lose all those games out of your paycheck and and all that goes into all of that. But why would the owners want that? Well, because if you're starting in January, you're then losing even more money. And so this season, in general, the owners will operate at a loss because there's no fans and there's all these different start dates and just they're going to operate as a loss this season. If they're going to operate as a loss double-wise in the sense of you're going to lose even more money in January, well, you might as well only work the least amount of games possible and only operate at a loss for the least amount of games possible and staff the facilities and have all the personnel and pay your personnel for the least amount of time possible that you need. And that would be 50 games, and so they would count with 50 games. Whereas if you start in December, they'll expand that to 72 games, and the players will get more money, the owners will play more games, and that will be the way it goes here. Uh, But to me, as I said, this is the final deadline. This is the final stand for both sides. The draft is supposed to happen November 18th. You don't want to back out of that commitment to those prospects, to your teams, and to your TV provider and TV partner at ESPN. You're going to want to have this settled by Friday. This is going to be a crazy week for a lot of different reasons, but for the NBA world, it'll be a crazy week because you should see a coaching hire for the Thunder because you're going to need that in place by the by the draft. You should see a CBA agreement, and you should know the start date, and you should see trades happening or, or, or some form of whispered transactions, and maybe official trades wait off until the actual draft day, but you should hear whisperings and rumblings all throughout the week and into the weekend. I think that this was an extension granted to the players, and it could come back to bite the players. If the players do not get exactly what they want out of this, if they do not get that January start date, then what was all this for? What were all these extensions for? What was the move to delay the offseason by another week here and delay uh, players' movement and delay players from moving and shaking? And look, I get why LeBron doesn't want to play right now, and I get why even the top-paid players and stars don't want to play right now. But look into what happens to these contracts. The more you delay this season and the more money the league loses, Lou Dort will be playing for peanuts. I mean, he'll get a salary that some of you listening to this podcast have. I mean, if you continue to delay this season, all these guys aren't multimillionaires. They're just not. So, sure, LeBron, Chris Paul, Russell Westbrook, Kevin Durant, those guys would be comfortable. Those guys would be fine. But trickle that down to the 13th guy on the bench. They want to get the season started just like the owners do. It's going to be an interesting balance for the NBA PA and the NBA. But I do think that it finally ends on Friday. Now, I said that uh, three days ago, and it wasn't true. 
But I, I do think that this is the final stand for both sides. I just don't see how you can draw this out any longer. And eventually, you need to start having the dominoes fall. But what if the owners truly come back with the 50-game season? Now, that was leveraged out there by the media, and the owners quickly kind of backed off that, saying, look, we've never formally proposed that to the players yet, but if the players truly do break down the owners and get them to start in January, you can expect a 50-game season to at least be discussed and talked about by the owners to cut down the games played and cut down the games operated under a loss. Look at what baseball did. This is exactly why baseball delayed and delayed and delayed their start and got down to where they could only play 60 games because they only want to operate on a loss for those 60 games. They don't want to play 162 games, losing revenue each and every day. They just want to play 60. So you're seeing that same thing happen with, with basketball because basketball has not started their next season yet. And this is why we didn't see the stoppage during the hiatus or this, or this argument during the hiatus because during the hiatus, you were still operating under last season's contracts and last season's obligations. And now you kind of get a fresh start a little bit and we're seeing the bickering back and forth a little bit the way we did in baseball. Obviously, it's not as ugly as it is in baseball because these are actually adults and these are actually people getting things done and both sides have better management and better uh, PR people and better negotiators and better everything than baseball does. But still, we're seeing the bargaining happen now as we did in baseball uh, earlier this summer. And here's why, because you can move forward with this new year. But if it does come down to a 50-game season, does that help or hurt the Oklahoma City Thunder? And should the Thunder want a shorter season? We'll talk about that coming up. But first, I want to tell you about our good friends over at Built Bar. Built Bar is a fantastic protein bar that tastes just like a candy bar. Go to BuiltBar.com. Use promo code Locked On. You're going to get 20% off that next order. Built Bars are great for the health-conscious person losing or maintaining weight while indulging in a delicious treat. Built Bars are low-calorie, low-sugar, high-protein, high-fiber, great for the keto diet. They're a great pre-workout. They're a great post-workout. They're even great as a meal replacement. So get you some Built Bars today at Built.com. Promo code Locked On. Get 20% off that next order. They have six brand-new flavors, caramel brownie, Cookies and cream, cherry barcia, lemon almond cheesecake, carrot cake, and apple almond crisp. So hop on BuiltBar.com right now and pick out your box of Built Bars. And when you do, make sure that you use promo code LOCKEDON for 20% off that next order. The Built Bars are soft and easy to chew, and they're all covered in 100% real chocolate. So you're going to want to get your hands on these Built Bars and try out for yourself just how good they are. BuiltBar.com, promo code LOCKEDON, 20% off that next order. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We're back on the Locked On Thunder Podcast on the Locked On Podcast Network, your teams every day. I am your host, Rylan Styles. You can follow me on Twitter at Rylan underscore Styles. That's at R-Y-L-A-N underscore S-T-I-L-E-S. So I want to dive into the shortened season proposal or non-proposal, whatever you want to look at this as. If the season did come down to just 50 games, would that be good or would that be bad for the Oklahoma City Thunder? And should the Thunder want a 50-game season? If the Thunder should want a 50-game season, let's take the owner out of it, right? Let's just let's operate under 
We understand that the owners will operate on a loss this year. So losing money is going to happen no matter what. From a basketball and a basketball business standpoint, the Thunder should be rooting for less games. Now, I'm not rooting for less games. I'm rooting for a December start, but I I don't really matter. I'm rooting for a December start, 72 games. Let's get this thing rolling. But I really want content. Fans are, are also rooting for the most games because they love basketball. But from a, a business standpoint of the game of basketball for the Thunder, they should be rooting for less games. And I can see them siding with less games because for the first time, in their franchise history in Oklahoma City, they're asking this fan base to support a team that is actively trying to lose. And any time in a small market that you can spend less time actively trying to lose, you should do it. It's why I think that this rebuild is only going to take one or two years of tanking, and that will be the end of it. Keith Smith of Yahoo Sports a couple weeks ago agrees with me as well. It's going to take one or two years, and then they're going to be back to contending because you have to only be down for a little bit of time or else you're going to lose your stronghold of fans. This brand of Oklahoma City is a global brand, and you're going to lose that as you begin to tank, but they'll come back if the team wins. I mean, global fans are are front runners. I mean, that's just what it is. The only real diehard Oklahoma City fans are from Oklahoma City. For the most part, you're going to lose the national footprint you had when there's no more stars on this team, but you get those stars back quickly and you can start to turn that around. So asking this fan base to support you while you're purposely losing games, doing that for the shortest amount of time possible is a good thing. And then from a basketball standpoint of, okay, we want to lose. We want to position ourselves into the top three or four, you know, to get that 14% chance to get the number one overall pick. We want to get up there. So our odds are better. To do that, and playing a Western-only schedule, a 50-game season would make every single game more important. Look, the Western Conference this year, the standings, came down to a couple games. Now, put the Warriors back in that fray. Put all these Western Conference teams who want to make a run at it. Minnesota wants to make a run at it. They don't want the number one pick over again. They traded for D'Angelo Russell. They have Carl Anthony Towns. They have whoever they draft. They want to make a run, the Timberwolves do. The Warriors are back. The Suns want to make a run. Every game becomes valuable for every team in the West. So, whereas some teams could come in here and say, oh, it's just the Thunder. Let's just load manage and let's get out of Oklahoma City and this is going to be our game off. Well, if this young, scrappy Thunder team beats you, because this Thunder team is, is going to tank, but it's not going to be the 76ers. It's not going to be guys you've never heard of. It's still going to be Shea and Baisley and Dort, this draft pick. It's still going to be all those guys. And it's going to be a competitive bunch. They're going to tank and they're going to lose, but they're not going to get blown out every single night. So you've still got to bring something to this game and some edge to this game, or the Thunder could upset you if you're a Western Conference team. And one game could be the difference in getting the second seed and the fifth seed or the fifth seed and the eighth seed. One game is going to be a a, a small, small gap in the West. It's going to be a big difference on where you finish and and who you play and the matchup for the postseason and where you travel. So can teams afford to load managing against the Thunder if this is supposed to be their gimme game, if this is supposed to be the game that they have to win, that they should win, that they can bank on winning? I think you see less load managing against the Thunder if there's a shorter season because all these games matter more. So if teams are trying harder against you, you're going to lose. 
it'll worsen your record and you'll end up bottom three or four and you're get and you're going to get that 14% chance at the top overall pick and have 14% chance to get Cade Cunningham. So it is a, a good trade-off here because you want to watch the Thunder lose as little as possible. And a 50-game season will do that for you. It'll get the fastest reward for the smallest amount of punishment. So the Thunder should want this to happen. Again, the owners probably don't. The owners want as much money as possible, and that's starting in December, and that's playing 72 games. But beyond the owner, seems like a pretty good thing. Seems like a pretty good thing to me. But I did want to dive into the Thunder big board. And what I want to do with this segment leading up to the draft is just take some some names at each position and, and just focus on their fit with the Thunder and who I would like the Thunder to draft. And so doing this, it's going to be a lot harder for the Thunder than most teams because you truly don't know where the Thunder are going to draft. I mean, the Thunder right now only 25th pick, but I don't know how many of you feel confident that they'll be making that selection at 25, whether they move up or they move down, or they do some form of trade that gets them another pick. Who knows what's going to happen with this draft for the Thunder? It can go any sort of way. And so I think it's best to just talk about the best talent for the Thunder to get at each position. And we'll, we'll clarify if, if some person is unrealistic, and you'll see what I mean getting into this, but we're going to start today with the big man and continue to move on throughout the week and throughout the next couple of weeks before the NBA draft on November 18th. So I did want to start, though, as I mentioned, with the with the big man position, power forwards with centers, and, and really lay out how the Thunder could get better in this draft class down low. And it starts and ends with Big O. Now, I think that Big O, the center from USC, is going to go top five. I think he's that talented and that good. Because if he can pan out, if he can reach his ceiling, he is, to me, Bam Adebayo 2.0. He does have a bit of a big floor, but I think his floor is a consistently good role player as a center, which is still very valuable. He's a really good finisher. He's a great post scorer. He has amazing handles. He can make a beautiful pass. Just like the, the passes remind me of Steven Adams. Great outlet passes, but also he can find a cutter that's cu- cutting behind him. He, he reminds me a lot of Adams in the, in the passing instance, but nothing else. I mean, he's, he's a, a modern big man, unlike Steven Adams. He does all the little things right. Great screens, great hustle, great rebounds all over the floor that way. But also, I love his defense. I love his defense. Everything about this guy screams Bam and Abayo. It screams 2020 big man in the NBA. It's perfect to me. I, I question how well he'll be able to shoot from beyond the arc, but I don't really need my center to be a lights-out three-point shooter. I just don't need him to pack the paint. But I feel comfortable in the mid-range game and spacing the floor a little bit that way so Shea can get involved and, and Shea can get down to the bucket and do his little scoop for, uh, layups. And he was aggressive as a defender at USC, and I will throw out another qualifier here for when you're watching college guys. If a center is chasing blocks and is going for stats... That's common in college, and and most of the time won't translate to the NBA. Now, with Nerlens Noel, right, he chased blocks at Kentucky. He does it to this day in the NBA. He'd rather have a block than just make a good play. He'd rather have that stat of a block than to do the right thing defensively. So that could be the case for Big O, but I, I will say 
he picks his spots better a lot a lot better than Nerswell did. And I think that that kind of calms down at the NBA level. And I'm fine with a guy like Big O taking that chance at the rim because he'll win more often than not. I just like that he's fearless whenever he's going for that block. He'll get dunked on a few times. It reminds me of Jared Allen. He'll, he'll get dunked on a few times, and you'll see him on posters, but he'll also get some rejections that will save buckets for you in big spots. I, I don't know a lot that you can say bad about, about the center from USC. I just don't. Again, three-point shooting does not have the highest upside, but that's really all I have on the downside for Big O. And then, you know, you have James Wiseman, but that that is just so unrealistic to me that there's no point to even talk about it. My number two is Isaiah Stewart. I really like Isaiah Stewart for the Oklahoma City Thunder. I told you before on the, on the big board shows that he reminds me a lot of DeMonte, of DeMontis Sabonis. He is a really good defender. He can really get rebounds and really get you second-chance opportunities. And that's what this team is going to need moving forward. I think that he has a very, very bright future as a paint scorer in the NBA and as a as a post-up scorer in the NBA. So I really like what Isaiah Stewart brings to the table, the center from Washington. And this is someone I view as in that 25 range. Big O, you're going to need to trade for him. You have to make a trade into the top eight or in the top 10 at least for Big O. With Isaiah Stewart, you can stand pat at 25 and still wind up with Isaiah Stewart. And that's why he's at number two. My number three for bigs in this draft class has to be Precious. Memphis is big man. He is a modern big man that I think has a lot more work to do. He's rougher around the edges, I think, in being that modern NBA big. But for a team like the Thunder, who's trying to tank, you can afford to allow him to grow and allow him to mature. He's great in the pick and roll. Great running the rim and diving towards the rim, and, and he would be great in the pick and roll with Shea. He hustles a ton, and so that translates, you can see it, on the defensive end. And he is a great defender, one of the best defensive big men's big men in this draft. So I, I love everything that he does. You worry about his shooting, but again, you're not going to get a lights-out three-point shooter in this draft class at the center position. You're just not. Um, and his defensive, his defensive film is is a little bit misleading because he didn't have a lot of good defenders around him. You put him and Dort on the floor together, and his defensive film goes up, and it gets, becomes a lot better. I, I wonder how his defense translates, though, to the NBA level in the sense of his defense against quick wing players. Can he truly switch? His size tells you and screams that he's switchable, but can his footwork keep up with his frame? So after the break, we're going to continue talking about big men the Thunder could draft, and also we're going to get into news and notes from around the NBA. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. And we're back on the Locked On Thunder podcast on the Locked On Podcast Network. Your teams every day. I am your host, Ryland Styles. You can follow me on Twitter at Rylan underscore Styles. That's at R-Y-L-A-N underscore S-T-I-L-E-S. And remember that this big board for the big men is only for obtainable players for the Thunder. I only threw Big O in there 
because I could see them moving into that range where Big O is projected to fall. Now, you look at number four, I have Zeke. Number five, I have Jade McDaniels. And those are two names that Thunder fans are familiar with, so I won't spend too much time harping on them. But I think both those guys have really high upside and can be there at 25. In the second round, you start moving into second round bigs. I like the chance of Vernon Carey Jr. I would like taking a chance on Paul Reed from DePaul. He's one of my favorite second round you know, flyer guys you can take a chance on. And with the Thunder, the second round is important because you're going to have a lot of time uh, to invest into the second rounder. This is not going to be someone who is buried on your bench. He'll play. He'll play right away. You just need minute eaters as on a team trying to tank, and you might as well take a shot on whoever you think is the highest upside. And maybe that's not Paul Reed, who's already 20 years old, but I really like Paul Reed out of DePaul. I think he can be an impact player for you down the line as a, and a good second-round pick. Reminds me of Jalen Brunson. Obviously, Brunson's a, p- a point guard, but he had the same red flags about him, right? An older college player, played for Villanova, and Villanova's played in some massive games, but it's not a Power 5 school. He's an old player. Uh, he slips to the second round, and he's turned into a very valuable contributor to the Dallas Mavericks. I could see Paul Reed not in the Power 5, older player, not viewed to have a lot of upside, being a valuable asset to a team that you pick up for nothing in the second round and, and can really turn into a contributor for you. And I think that it's going to be hard for anyone in this rookie class to be a contributor because of that fact of there's limited training camp. There's no summer league. You literally have, if you start on December 22nd, you have like three months to move into your new home market and start training camp. It's going to be wild, and coaches are going to go with the guys that they trust, and they've never really seen you play a lot, so they're not going to trust you right off the bat. And it's an uphill battle, but Paul Reed does have a little bit of that in him where he can be a second-round contributor, which is what you're looking for when you get to that second round. So I do like Paul Reed as well. We can continue talking about the big men tomorrow because obviously the big men compose of two positions. You cannot run through all of them in one show unless you dedicate an entire show just to the big men. But I do want to talk about a quick NBA news and notes from around the league. Interesting note that has no impact on the Thunder. LaMelo Ball is seemingly tanking in his pre-draft interviews. Kevin O'Connor says that he's heard that the interviews have not gone well with NBA teams and that his range to be picked from, LaMelo Ball, is 1 through 8. It's going to be a lot closer to number 8 than you would expect. It'll be interesting. I mean, I guess the Thunder could trade into 8 with the Knicks, but I mainly threw that on there because it's just interesting. It's a name that everyone loves to follow and loves the storyline of LaMelo Ball. And you could see him falling down draft boards with the way that he performed in the pre-draft interviews. And then James Wiseman does not want to be drafted by the Wolves. Again, no impact of the Thunder. But it's interesting to me because the Wolves have never really talked about drafting James Wiseman. So for him to make this statement was just kind of weird. Like, okay, they weren't going to draft you anyway. So that's fine, I guess, James Wiseman. They don't want to get drafted by them. But Elton Brand did send an extension to stay with Daryl Morey and the 76ers. I believe it's a five-year extension. And then now you have Mike D'Antoni joining Steve Nash's staff officially in, in Brooklyn. Um, Ty Lu also made the official Kenny Atkinson hire. We've talked about these before. I do love the addition of Mike D'Antoni to, to the Nash staff because it allows Nash to have an experienced head coach on his staff to help him and guide him into what he should be doing and how he should handle certain situations and just give you more experience. You want to have someone who's been there before at your job helping you through struggles or what you can improve on or, or just giving you some simple advice. So I do like that hire 
from Steve Nash. And so that's your news and notes from around the NBA. On tomorrow's Locked on Thunder, yes, that's right. This is the only podcast that happens every single day about your Oklahoma City Thunder. On tomorrow's show, we're going to continue my big man, big board for the Oklahoma City Thunder, who they should target in the first and second round. We're probably going to dive into a mock draft tomorrow as well ahead of mock draft Thursday. It's going to be a wild week of draft coverage from here on out until the November 18th NBA draft. And also, of course, we'll cover if the Thunder hire a coach and if the NBA and NBA PA can agree to a deal. But I expect the deal to be agreed upon later in the week. I mean, there's so much going on right now that they're going to wait it out till Thursday night, Friday morning, somewhere in that range. So you can maybe relax, but as soon as you say that, we're just going to just drop a tweet that just totally obliterates your entire day. But either way, I'll have you covered on Locked on Thunder. Be sure to subscribe to the show wherever it is you get your podcast from. Be good and be good to one another. We'll see you next time on Locked on Thunder. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.